Thank you for downloading the podcast edition of the Community Baptist Church Service of Henderson, Kentucky for February the 17th of 2008. Our pastor, Dr. Tim Hobbs, continues his Lenten sermon series entitled, Don't Be Afraid, Trust God. The scripture reference comes from Matthew, the 17th chapter, verses 1 through 9. Our choir sings an anthem this morning called, Rise Up, O Church of God. We are blessed this morning to have in attendance with us, Audra Corsi is our guest pianist. We now unite with the praise team in progress. Good morning, everyone. Let's stand, remain standing. Join in and sing with us this morning. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. Seeking you as a precious jewel. Lord, I give up, I'd be a fool. You are my all in all. Jesus, Lamb of my shame. Rising again, I bless your name. You are my all in all. When I fall down, you pick me up. When I am dry, you fill my cup. You are my all in all. Jesus, Lamb of God, Jesus, 
Oh, and all of you be still Will I stand in your presence Or to my knees will I fall Will I sing hallelujah Will I be able to speak it all I can only imagine I can only imagine I can only imagine When that day comes And I find myself Standing in the sun I can only imagine When all I would do Is forever Forever worship you I can only imagine, yeah I can only imagine Surrounded by your glory What will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Oh, and all of you be still Will I stand in your presence? Or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine Yeah, I can only imagine Surrounded by your glory What will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Oh, and all of you be still When I stand in your presence Or to my knees will I fall Will I sing Hallelujah Will I be able to speak it all I can only imagine Yeah, yeah I can only imagine I can only imagine Oh yeah I can only imagine I can only imagine Oh yeah, I can only imagine I can only imagine When all I would do Is forever, forever worship you I can only imagine Let us pray. Oh God, we can only imagine what it will be like when we see you face to face. As a matter of fact, your scripture tells us very plainly that now as we live here on this earth, we see darkly. But then we will see face to face, and now we know only in part, but then we will know fully as we are fully known. And so right now, we can only imagine what it will be like. But even in our imaginations, it is so wonderful, because we have experienced a bit of who you are in our lives here, and that is wonderful. And we give you thanks for that.
And we come together today, O oh God, to celebrate that experience that we have had of your kingdom of God. And we are grateful people that you have provided us with this glorious privilege. Your spirit has given us a new beginning and new life and new love. And so today as we worship you, O oh God, we pray that you would open our new eyes and so that we may see your love high and lifted up on the cross of Calvary. We pray that you would breathe into our new being the breath of life that lasts forever and reveal to us the kingdom of God in all of its glory, all that we can stand, O oh God, as we worship you in spirit and in truth. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. about 40% less in Bible study this morning than we normally read. So we've got lots of folks sick, lots of folks that have other things today, of course, those that are bereaving today of things they have to do today and others, So, and we have less kids. But you kids who are here, we want you to come on down to right here. And uh, if you have never been with us before and want a big person to come with you, that's great too. Uh, we were so happy with our bunch last week. They did such a great job at Pleasant Point. And here, doing all the decorations, it was fantastic. I wish you could have seen them and their committee guiding them through all the things they were doing. We're excited about that and the growth we're showing in those areas. So boys and girls, Brother Herb is with you today. And uh, listen to him prayerfully. See, I just... You all really look good. You all look great. You really do. Uh, when Miss Mary asked me to do children's moment... I got to thinking, and I thought really quick, and I'm going to do something. My mother taught me lessons, 
and I'm going to transmit one of the lessons she taught to you all. Um, this is the 10th anniversary of her death. She died February uh, 1998. Uh, she lived a rich, full life. She had six children. I was the fifth child. She was 36 when I was born, and yeah, and my four brothers and sisters must have been awful because I can never remember her without white hair. <laughs> it wasn't me that turned it white. It was it was them. But anyway, she taught me a lesson, and one of the lessons was on the important stuff. Show up. On the important stuff. Show up. You know, there's sometimes I didn't want to go to school. Now, you all are never like that, are you? You always want to go to school every day. You don't want to go to church. Well, I, I, you and I are a lot alike when I was your age. And I didn't want to go to church lots of times. And my mother would, would, would pat my forehead and she said, well, you, you must have a little temperature. You must be sick. And if you're too sick not to go to Sunday school, you're too sick to play on Sunday afternoon. And so that it took one time for me to realize that if I didn't go to church, I was grounded the rest of the day like I was sick. And she taught me another lesson about going to church. And do you all have a fireplace? Who else got fireplaces? Have you had a fire this week in it? You haven't? Well, we've had a fire in our fireplace. And she taught me a lesson. The fire was burning one, one, one day, and she said, here's what happens when you don't go to church. And she pulled out, I'm getting there, I'm getting there, I'm slow. And she pulled out a lighter like this, and she said, when you don't go to church and it's just you, well, 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 I can't find it. She pulled out a little match and she said, when it's just you and nobody else, and she lit the match and, the, and there wasn't much of a light, and it went out pretty quickly. And she said, when you go to church, you, when you don't go to church and you're interact, you don't interact with other church people, your light can't shine very bright and it goes out pretty quick. And then she pulled out, pulled out a log like this, and she said, try and light that herb. So I took a little match. Well, I, don't have, I didn't have a match. so, And I tried to light that log. Just like that. And guess what? It wouldn't light. It wouldn't burn. No matter how much I tried. See, it's not burning. Don't anybody call the fire marshal, please. It's getting hot, but it's not burning. And then she tossed that in the fire. And guess what? It burned. And she said, her people are like that. When they don't go to church, they either have a little light or they, or it doesn't, and it doesn't burn very bright or it doesn't burn at all. But when they go to church and be with other Christians, she put it in the fire. What? That's right. If you put it in the fire with no fire, it won't burn. But there's fire in these members here, and there's fire in the preacher's sermon, and there's fire when we all gather together. And she put it in the fireplace, and lo and behold, it burned. And she said, Herb, that's why you need to go to church. 
so you can burn brightly for God for a long, long, long time. Now, my mother's been dead 10 years, but I still remember that. And so next time you don't want to go to church, remember about fires, okay? Thank you all. And I'm sorry I don't have anything. I forgot. So I don't have any candy, okay? So you all go back to your parents. Thank you all.
Will you pray with me? Our most gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the ability to come into your house and worship, a place where we can truly get our fire going. Bless us as we go throughout this week in our daily duties. Whatever our task may be, may we do it to the best of ours. We ask you to bless these tithes and offerings and so that we may use them to further your kingdom. And it is in your holy name that I pray. Amen. Began a good work in you. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. He'll be faithful to complete it. He who started the work will be faithful to complete it in you. 
If the struggle you're facing is slowly replacing your hope with despair, or the process is long and you're placing your song in the night, you can be sure that the Lord has His hand on you, safe and secure. He will never abandon you. You are His treasure, and He finds His pleasure in you. He who began a good work in you. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. He'll be faithful to complete it. He who started the work will be faithful to complete it in you. Began a good work in you. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. He'll be faithful to complete it. He who started the work. Will be faithful to complete it in you. He who started the work will be faithful to complete it in you. Appreciate the message and music there, and it's always good to have Audra with us uh, in Jika's absence. We're glad that you're here with us today as well. We appreciate your contribution to our ministry here. Our scripture reading for today can be found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not fear. Do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised 
from the dead. This is the word of God for you and for me. I want to talk this morning about the subject of fear and what fear can do to disrupt the abundant life which Jesus has come to bring us. I want to focus in on two parts of our story today. The part where God tells the disciples, this is my son, listen to him. And the part where Jesus says to his disciples, do not be afraid. Because folks, fear really can turn an otherwise happy life into a miserable life. There's a story about a hotel in Budapest that was having some troubles with its uh, elevator. And since most of the guests in the hotel there spoke at least a little bit of English, there were people there from all over the world speaking different languages. But since most of the guests could speak at least a little bit of English, the owner decided to put up a sign in English. However, either the owner had a great sense of humor or he was not very adept in English himself because the sign read like this. The lift is being fixed for the next day. During that time, we regret that you will be unbearable. (laughs) I've known some people like that, haven't you? Unbearable. Lloyd John Ogilvie wrote a, a book some years ago titled Falling into Greatness. And in it, he tells about an old friend who had called him up one day and said, I can't talk about it over the phone, but I need to see you. I've fallen into a terrible thing which I can't seem to shake. And so they set a time to have lunch together and, and Ogilvy wondered what terrible thing his friend could have gotten into. This man had once been a, a staunch Christian and a churchgoer, but he had drifted away from the church and from, uh, from fellowship with other Christians. But when he sat down for lunch, his friend blurted out and said, Lloyd, I've become a cynic. I've become a negative, critical, and sarcastic person. Well, inwardly, Lloyd was relieved that his friend was not confessing some heinous sin. But at the same time, he was very upset about this. And Ogilvy writes, it seems that my friend had been jarred by the reality of the kind of person he had become because of an ultimatum that his wife had given to him. She was not willing to spend the rest of of her life with a man who had come to be down on life and down on people and even down on God. Several friends had also confronted him about his snarling attitude. Three people had resigned from his company because they, they couldn't stand to work in the negative atmosphere that his attitude had created. It seemed that this man's world was falling apart. That man, by his own admission, had become unbearable. Well, maybe you know somebody like this. Or maybe some of you may be on your way to becoming somebody like this. It happens sometimes. But folks, if that's what's happening in your life today, then I think that today would be a good day to reverse your direction. We're going to the mountaintop. You're familiar with the story. Jesus is up on the mountaintop with Peter and James and John when suddenly Jesus' face begins to shine like the sun and his clothes become a dazzling white, as white as light itself. And, 
And at the same time, two of the most important figures of the Old Testament appear, Moses and Elijah. Suddenly they appear talking with Jesus. And Peter, who is never at a loss for words, says to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you want, I'll put up three shelters, one for you and one for for Elijah and one for Moses. And then while Peter's still still speaking, a bright cloud comes and overshadows them. and, And a voice is heard coming from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. I want you to think about that for a minute. Just put yourself in, in Peter and James and John sandals for a moment and think about experiencing that whole scenario. As you might have expected by this time, these three disciples were terrified. And so they fell down onto the ground. But look at what Jesus did. He comes over to them and he touches them and he says, get up. Don't. Be afraid. And when they looked up, there was no one there except for Jesus. Now, folks, I want you to think about this. This is the ultimate mountaintop experience, isn't it? We have Jesus transfigured. We have Moses and Elijah. We have a voice from heaven. I believe that if I'd have been there, I would have been scared, too. But more than that, I believe I would have been transformed because this is not the kind of experience that someone has and walks away from without it changing their lives. And maybe some of you have had that similar kind of experience in your life before. Dr. William Stidger once told about a delightful 90 year old lady named Mrs. Sampson. Mrs. Sampson was frail and weak and feeble and sickly and but Mrs. But Dr. Stidger said that when he became discouraged, he always went to visit Mrs. Sampson because she had this radiant spirit about her that was, was simply contagious. And so one day he was visiting with her and, and he asked this 90-year-old woman, what is your secret? What's the secret of your power? What keeps you happy and contented and cheerful through your, your sickness? And she answered him with the line from a poem that said, I had an hour of glory on a windswept hill. Stidger said, I I knew that she had been in touch with God and and that was the whole reason for her, her cheerfulness. I had an hour of glory on a windswept hill. That sounds a lot like the experience that Peter and James and John had on the Mount of Transfiguration, doesn't it? And sometimes we refer to to special events in our life as mountaintop experiences. Many of us have had experiences like this in our own lives. Maybe it was on top of an actual mountain or maybe it was on a seashore somewhere. Or dare I say it, it may have even happened in a worship service here at church. Peter, James and John had this mountaintop experience. Suddenly... Jesus was transfigured and Moses and Elijah appeared with him and they they hear the voice of God speaking to them. This was an awesome experience for them. And then look what happened. Peter wanted to build three shelters and stay up on that mountaintop. And who wouldn't? 
I mean, think about it. They had arrived at the pinnacle of, of spirituality. It couldn't get any better than this. So why not just stay right where they were and, and enjoy the blessings of God? And that's a pretty neat sentiment, isn't it? When we have a wonderful experience like that, we just want to sit and, and stay in that experience. But that's not the way it works. In fact, this is the, the primary reason that many people never realize all of the blessings that God wants to give to us. Because we're simply too comfortable where we are. We have an expression for it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. You've heard that expression. But folks, let me tell you something. Sometimes it is broke, but we just don't want to admit it. Sometimes we want to stay wherever, wherever it is that we are, even when wherever it is that we are is not all that great. For example, think about that guy that Lloyd Ogilvie was talking about earlier. You know, the guy with the bad attitude. You know, some of us know that we might need to change the way we interact with other people. But we simply refuse to do that. We enjoy being just the way we are. Some people enjoy being grumpy and grouchy and hard to live with. Some people enjoy looking at the negative side of life. The, the glass is never half full. It's always half empty. And, and never, ever, ever does it fill up to the top or overflow. Many people would rather pour it out and complain about it than, than fill it up to the top. Some of us enjoy holding a grudge, even if it's eating away at our souls. And some of us are secretly, uh, we, we secretly like to make others feel miserable. Some of us are kind of like Lucy in the old Peanuts cartoon. Lucy announces, boy, do I feel crabby today. And so Linus tries to, to help her feel better. He fixes her a sandwich and he gives her the sandwich and he asks, now, is there anything else that I can do for you? Is there anything that I've forgotten I have, that I haven't thought of? And Lucy replies, yes, there's one thing that you de didn't think of. I don't want to feel better. You know anybody like that? We all know people like that. They've got this miserable attitude and, and that's just the way they like it. I heard about a woman named Linda Newkrug who was vacationing with a friend in Canada and she was not having a very good time. She struggled with the language barrier around Quebec and, and, and she couldn't make sense out of the money and the weather was cold and she felt out of place and so Linda's friend, noticing her discomfort, suggested that she look to the travel guide for some advice. And on the first page of the travel guide, Linda's friend had underlined these words. When you travel, expect things to be different. And if things are not to your liking, then change your liking. That's pretty good, isn't it? These words reminded Linda that she was the one who was in control of her attitude. And she was the one who could choose how she approached each new situation in her life. And since that vacation many years ago, Linda has found that, that those words are very helpful in many situations. 
Anytime she finds that she she needs to have an attitude adjustment in, in her life, she reminds herself that if things are not to your liking, then change your liking. Folks, I believe that Linda's on to something, don't you? Because you see, not everything in life is to our liking, is it? And sometimes just for the sake of our own peace of mind and for the sake of the people around us, we need to change our liking. I was listening to a, a talk show on the radio just a couple of days ago, and the, the topic that they were talking about was happiness. And the point that the host was making is that sometimes we need to act happy even we may, when we may not be very happy. Because if we don't act happy, then we'll never get happy. He was saying that if we act miserable all the time, then we end up pushing people away from us because nobody wants to hang out with somebody who's miserable all the time. And guess what happens if we push others away from us? We become unhappy. And so the best thing that we can do is to at least act happy. And this isn't to say that we don't have a confidant that we can occasionally tell our troubles to, but because we, we do need to be there for one another. But the great thing about being the complex creatures that we are is that we can make the choice to be happy or not. We have the power to choose. And so I want to challenge you today to take a good hard look at your life and ask yourself, is there some area in our lives that in which we need an attitude adjustment? Whether it's giving up some long-held resentment or treating a spouse with more kindness or, or just being more positive and less negative. Whatever your need might be, this is the time. Peter wanted to build three shelters and stay up on that mountaintop. And while he's still speaking, a bright, a bright cloud surrounded them and the voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell down on their face on the ground, terrified. But Jesus comes up and touches them and says, get up. Don't be afraid. You know, it's amazing how often fear is mentioned in the Bible. And I think there's a good reason for that, because you see, fear is the biggest obstacle that we face in our lives in fact, be told, I believe that most of our bad attitudes and most of our negativity can probably be explained by our fear. And sometimes something happens in our life that that causes us to panic and be afraid. And sometimes that's justifiable. Fear is something that happens to all of us. Nobody in this room has ever not been afraid. No, nobody has 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 ever escaped fear in, in their life. Every healthy human being is afraid at some point in their lives. In fact, that's the way we were made. And a certain amount of fear is good. It's necessary. Fear is a self-protection mechanism that uh, built into the fiber of our being. It helps us survive. But sometimes it's unreasonable. And sometimes our fear gets in the way of the abundant life that God wants us to have. And that's when Jesus comes to us and says, fear not, I'm with you. 
I heard about a seven-year-old little girl who was thrilled when her parents took her to Disney World one year, and during that seven year, seven year, um, when she was seven years old, they were at Disney World and she rode the Space Mountain roller coaster for the first time. You ever rode, ridden Space Mountain? That's a wonderful roller coaster. It's a lot of fun. And she rode Space Mountain roller coaster twice that year and loved every single minute of it. Had the time of her life. But then the next year, they went back to Disney World again and went back to Space Mountain. And as they were standing there in line, she soberly studied the signs that warn about the speed, the, the ride speed. And finally, she said, Dad, I don't think I want to go. And so he asked her, why? Why would she be so nervous when she had enjoyed the same ride so much last time, just last year? And she said, this time I can read. Folks, a certain amount of fear is healthy. But some of us are missing out on some of the joy of living because because unhealthy, unnecessary fears are overshadowing us. And we worry about the worst case scenario in every experience. And we fear what other people may think of us. We're afraid that others will not love us. And we we fear aging and we fear death and we fear people who are different from us. Folks, the number of ways that fear can cripple our lives are infinite. And some of us are afraid to show that we are afraid. And the result of that is anger and bitterness and prejudice and cynicism. Did you realize that the bad attitude that many people express in their lives is simply a way of coping with fear? Oh, how we need to hear The voice of Jesus saying to us, don't be afraid. This is one of the most important admonition that that Jesus gives to us. Don't be afraid. In fact, it is so important that it is repeated frequently in the Bible. Did you know that there are 365 times in the Bible that we are told to fear not? 365 times, one time for every day of the year. I don't know if that's an accident or not. I don't think it is. One time for every day of the year, we are told in the Bible, fear not. Except for this year, of course, which is a leap year. So this is your chance, folks. On a week from Friday, on February 29th, you are free to fear all that you want. Fear as much as you like on leap year. Go ahead, get it out of your system. But on every other day of the year, I want to challenge you, as God challenged the disciples, listen to the words of Jesus. I mean, after all, that's what the voice on the mountaintop said. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. And what are the first words that come out of Jesus' mouth after God told them to listen? Don't be afraid. I'm with you. Some of you baseball fans will remember former major league catcher and TV personality Joe Garagiola. Joe's a wonderful storyteller and he tells a story about, a, about baseball legend Stan Musial. 
seems unusual, came up to the plate one day and it was a critical game and the opposing pitcher was a young fella, a rookie. And he was very nervous going up against one of baseball's legends. Graziola was at, was the catcher that day and, and so he called for a fastball, a fastball to be pitched to, to Musial, but the pitcher shook his head. He didn't want to throw a fastball. And so Joe signaled for a curveball and, and again the, the pitcher shook him off and, and then he signaled for a changeup and still the, the young fella hesitated and, and so Graziola went up to the mound to talk to his young pitcher and he said, I've called for every pitch in the book. What do you want to throw? And the pitcher's replied was, Nothing. I just want to stand here and hold the ball for as long as I can. And who can blame him? I mean, Musial was was a legendary hitter. But folks, that's the way many of us are living our lives. We're holding on as long as we can to our fears and our grudges and our resentments. And we're we're holding on to the things that we are comfortable with, even though that may not be the best part of our lives or the best thing for our lives. And why is that? Pure and simply, it is because we are afraid to let go. Listen, my friends. Jesus is here today. And he is saying to all of us. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Listen to his voice and let go of your fear. Lay it at the altar of Jesus. Because when we do that, we are able to experience the absolute abundance of fear-free living. And that's the abundant life that Jesus has called for us to live. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. And Jesus said, Fear not, for I am with you. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of response, number 484, Higher Ground. There may be someone here today who would like to make a commitment to Jesus Christ for the first time in your life. And maybe maybe you've been afraid to take that step and to make that commitment to follow Christ. Maybe fear has been getting in your way. And now is the time to to accept Jesus' admonition to fear not. Don't be afraid. Folks, I don't know of a single Christian ever who regretted the decision to become a Christian, to commit their lives to Christ. I don't know of anybody who ever regretted that decision. Because the life that is given to a Christian is an abundant life. It's a life full of blessings, a life full of strength that God gives to us. It's not always the... It doesn't mean that... that, Every day will be a rosy day and, and everything's always wonderful. Bad things happen to Christians too. But the life of a Christian is a life that's filled with the strength of Jesus. We have the Spirit of Christ living within us. So fear not.
take that step of commitment to accept Christ as your Savior. Perhaps there's someone looking for a church home to be a part of. We invite you to come and unite with us. Be a part of our fellowship as we seek to be the people of God together. And we invite you to do that as we sing together 484, Higher Ground. Would you come? God, as we leave from this place today, we pray that you would plant our feet on higher ground, that we would not be afraid to take the steps in our lives that we need to take. We pray that we would, that you would allow us to lift our eyes in confidence to you, our maker, and to leave this place with the assurance that you go with us. There is no need for us to be afraid of anything, O God, because in you there is much strength. So keep us, O God. Guard our coming and our going, both now and forevermore. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.